So, without further ado, again, please give a round of applause for Miss Suzanne Agin. All Ryan. you, girl. <laughs> okay. Well, when Ryan asked me to do this, I thought, you know, I'm. I didn't want it to be just something that I wrote to read. So I truly wrote this for Gabrielle. You guys know I'm Gabrielle's mom, and so, and I read it to her this morning, um, as a letter to her and where she's at. And so this is truly a letter from a mother to a daughter. It's not just something that I wrote to read to you guys. So it says, Dear Gabrielle, from the first moment you came into this world, I knew that I was given the highest privilege to be your mother. I still revel in the thought that God trusted me enough with your life. Along with that came this incredible responsibility and fear that I would mess it all up. After all, I had a life that I could shape, influence, and make decisions for Decisions that would have lasting effects not only for all of my life, but also for all of yours. When I think of the most important things for you that affect the rest of your life, there are two things that come to mind. Your lifelong relationship with Christ and your lifelong relationship with the man, if any, you choose to share it with. I've had years to think about this, and still it brings me to my knees, sometimes literally. Do you know that there is nobody else like you on earth? Do you know how special you are? God knew you and literally knitted you together in the womb. He has a purpose for you that only you can fulfill. There is nobody with your gifts and talents, your experiences and relationships all combined into this incredible human being that he can use for great things. I know I'm supposed to be writing this about dating, but hang with me. <laughs> God can and will use you for great things, but you have a choice in that. Nobody will put you, pull you further away or maybe draw you closer to that goal than the person you choose to spend your time with. As you develop into the person you are, you will begin to see who Christ wants you to be and what he has for you. It is absolutely critical that you become the person, that person before becoming a we with someone else. I don't know when that will be, and you won't either. But it is something that is big enough to be covered in prayer, to be researched, and to receive wise counsel from godly people who have walked along that path already. Remember, you are special, and God wants the very best for you. But you have to open your heart to receive that. Only God can give you that. There is no guy on earth who can. Also, you cannot give it to some guy. Only God can do that for him, too. Do you want the very best? <laughs> yes, the guy who loves the Lord, wants to love you forever, and is really good-looking to boot. <laughs> well, guess what? He's got to figure out, that guy, he's got to figure out, too, who he is. And that doesn't happen very quickly. Now, your dad would say, don't date until you graduate. <laughs> he's not very popular for that one, but he's on the right path. We change so much as we become adults. We learn who we are as we transition from high school to college or work. And those changes will continue to develop who you are and who Christ would have you to be. The people I went to high school with, I hardly recognize them now. I hardly recognize myself from those days. Don't build up regrets with people who are a mere glimmer. If God has a plan which puts you both on the same path, and he chooses God's path as well, you will have that opportunity again. All those friends who are in your life now, love them, pray for them, stay in touch with them when you can, and know that God is good. Don't steal from your future for small pleasures now because you are not only robbing yourself, but the person you are stealing those from. And I'm not just talking about sex. 
Intimacy is about so much more, something else you will learn when you have a relationship centered around God. But again, you have a choice in each one of those moments. When you are in them, remember who you are. Remember that God wants an abundant life for you, but you have to reach for it. And yes, the very best is worth waiting and fighting for. So what do you do now then? Pray for your future. Pray for your future husband, or maybe God has a plan for you that involves so many people you won't desire to get married. I know this, whether God has you married or single, he will give you an abundant life that you will be thrilled with as long as you are following him. I wish I could express to you how much more thrilling, exciting, and full of joy a life worth waiting for really is. Everything is better with God in it. I know it seems like now is so critical and you want it all right now. Believe me, I remember that very well. I remember in high school when I thought, this is it. This is all that I have. Oh, how I was wrong. You will make mistakes just like I did. You'll get your heart broken and maybe break one yourself. What, you do, what do you do now? You decide to accept only the very best. Define what that is without any one particular in mind. Write it down and never, never accept less. Be picky and then be too picky because you're looking for a life, not a date. Try out friends, not boyfriends, because let's face it, broken hearts really stink. The absolute right guy, he won't let you give yourself away because he will respect and love you too much. That should definitely make your list, by the way. If you wait and pray, and you graduate from college and Mr. Wright just hasn't come along, or you become afraid that you were too picky and missed him, well, maybe you're spending too much time on what you want rather than what God wants for you. I promise he wants more for you than you can even know you want for yourself. Please choose to let go and let God fill your life with all he would have for you. My best advice, live. Live every day to the fullest, letting God guide you, he won't steer you wrong. I do know that. I could not have planned this life that I have. I could not have planned you. And I certainly would not want any less of a father for you or any less of a husband for me. I'm so glad the lead singer from the band Poison was, not out, was out of my reach because no, just no. Or even middle school Brad who was written on my closet door up until five years ago when my parents finally painted it. That was pretty embarrassing. Gabrielle, your dad and I are a picture of God's grace. You get to choose your life, so please choose well. I love you so much, Mom. Word. Word to your mother, indeed. All right, here we go. Let's start. Thank you for appreciating that joke. Um, so, let's do this. Um, Thank you for sharing that uh, and for being willing to. And, and like, again, one of, one of the reasons that, that we wanted to do that is just to, again, show, you know, th- these rules and these guidelines and, and like, the, the pushiness that parents have is not rooted in this idea of being, like, I don't think a mom's goal is to be annoying. A mom's goal is to push in and say, look, I love you enough, which is a picture of God's love, right? Like, I love you enough to push into your life, to interrupt your plans for something much better. Like you have in your 15-year-old, 16-year-old wisdom, right, that you've attained, you have your plans and your ideas. And then God comes in sometimes through our family 
to interrupt that and to say, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, pull this, pull this way, hang on, we need, to, we need to go back and look over this again. Parents are an extension of God's love. It's not a perfect extension, right? Obvi- I mean, there, there's no secret there. Um, but they are an extension of God's love to us. And that's one of the things that I've, I felt like we needed to touch on really quickly because family, your family is, is something that is with you all the time. Um, and so I want to I touch on that because that's such a vital resource that goes untapped. So um, I did kind of my thing and highlighted and underlined and circled. And I, I highlighted every time you said LOL because I thought that was funny. Um, it looks like a teacher grade in my letter. It does. It does. It was good, though. It was good. You got a good grade because um, I know so much about parenting. Um, but here we go. The first thing, at the end of the first paragraph, it says, like, and you're talking about your role in Gabby's life, and it says, decisions that would have lasting effects for not only all of my life, but also all of yours. And this is, I think, the most important question right out of the gate. What role, so high school, right? What role do parents have in the lives of their children dating? What is the parent's job? What, are, what is the parent, like, what should they be looking to their parents for when it comes to dating? The reason I ask you that is because, again, I feel like dating is kind of this closed-off thing where, like, he gets to meet your mom and dad, or she gets to meet your mom and dad, and then, okay, see you later. And then you go to the movie, which is not, it's not bad to go to the movies or whatever, but, like, you're gone. And then the next time you see your mom and dad, it's just you. Like, they haven't gotten to know that person at all. Is that okay? Is that not okay? What is the role that a parent should play in the life of their, in the dating life of their child, I guess is my question. Well, I can tell you what we chose. Um, mm-hmm. I know this looks very different from family to family. Now, we did not let, of course, you know, Bob, y'all know Bob, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> so he didn't want her to date at all, but I hope you heard me say many times in this letter, this is your choice because this is your life, and we wanted to support her. Um, but we did have very firm rules, and one of those was she couldn't date until she could drive so that she could leave any situation that she got into. Okay, yeah. And she couldn't date anybody that we did not get to know first. Okay. So um, it wasn't just he had to come to the house and pick her up. We had to get to know um, whoever she was going out with. And um, she only had one boyfriend in high school, but before they went out, he came to the house. He had dinner. He came to the house. We watched movies. He you know, whatever, but we really got to know him before they started dating. And then what, what really that turned out to be was he was a lot more comfortable with us, and I think that he built up a respect for us in light of Gabrielle, and I think that that really helped. And, and Gabrielle became a lot more comfortable as well. And, um, you know, it, it just it created a foundation of this, this family-type atmosphere to where I think they were comfortable coming to us and talking to us about things. And we had to go to them and talk to them about some things. I mean, you know, nobody's perfect, but, um, but yeah, for us, that was huge. We had to know the person, not just meet yeah. the person. Yeah, well, so. and okay, so, all right, practical tool. Not everybody's parents are on that page. And again, this isn't like, this is the best way to do it, and your parents have failed. Like, that's not the goal that we're trying to set at all. But the, but the, Here's the practical tool now, all right? You meet somebody. Um, he, she, they're, they're awesome, whatever. What do you do now? Is, is, it, is it possible for you guys, right, to think of ways to get your family involved in the hangout time? Um, come to my house and let's watch a movie. Not in my room, not in my basement. Let's watch it with 
my family. You see if, what I mean? If I yeah. could add something. You, so they you don't can go add whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, you that, want. There's no bedrooms. There's no private sure. spaces. You know, there, there's um, none right. of that. But I would say this. I would encourage you to over-communicate with your parents. Mm-hmm. It's only when you try to hide things and try to keep things from your parents that they are going to, the ugly's going to come out. Yeah. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. When you over-communicate and you show your parents that you respect them by, you know, filling them in and informing them, they are going to build a trust with you. That is a two-way street that you can start building with your parents through dating. And, um, you know, do that for them. They, they love you more than anybody else in this world does. Trust me. And so, you know, by building that relationship with them through dating, it's going to make your dating life so much more fun, right? Then if they're stalking you on, you know, what that find my iPhone or driving around stalking you, I don't know, you know? So build that with them. Yeah, I think that's That does good. come from experience. I did not ever follow Gabrielle <laughs> in the car. But I am guilty of find my iPhone. Sure, I get it. But I, I told it. her. I don't think you're the only parent. <laughs> I in told this her that though. We're very open with each other. Yeah. Well, and, that, and so again, can you communicate to build that bridge to where you guys are friends, like you and your parents are friends going into this, right? Rather than they're trying to figure out what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. You're hiding and running and ditching, and you, you see what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, how can you build that bridge before this begins? Okay. Again, and I know it's like. Ryan, like, that's super cool, and thanks a lot. The game was fun, but this is not how me and my family operate. And I understand that, too. Is there, are there smaller ways that you can start that, though? You see what I mean? Like, you, maybe tonight is not the night that you go home and you're like, Mom, let's just, let's just talk, and you just go, like, for an hour. Maybe not. Probably not, right? But are there ways that you can start that conversation about who you're, like, whatever that, whatever that looks like for your family? Like Suzanne said, all families are different. But are there ways in your circle, in your family, that you can start to build that bridge to have your family or even siblings involved in your, your dating life? Does that make sense? All right, let's move on. Um, okay, another thing that I saw that was so good, um, kind of in the middle of this third paragraph, you talked about how, remember, you're special, God wants the very best for you, but you have to open your heart to receive it. Only God can give you that, which is this idea of, of total satisfaction. Total fulfillment, total, you know, I feel wanted and alive and accepted and free and happy. Only God can give you that in the best way. And then you said, also, you cannot give that to a guy. Only God can give that to him. We've talked about this in the last couple weeks, but this is so huge to remember. If someone is interested in you, right? I told you the story about my buddy who, like, his girlfriend broke up with him, and he was like, man, I don't know what happened. And then this was when Facebook Messenger was really cool back then, whatever. And so he was going through, and like he showed us. He was like, look, look, at this is what I wrote her. And it was like Harry Potter book length after Harry Potter book length of like, I love you. You're so beautiful. You're so amazing. Hey, I was just thinking about you. And we were all like, oh, that's why oh, she, because like, because he buried her, right? So here, yeah, all right. Here, here's what I'm trying to say, though. So Suzanne said, also, you cannot give that to a guy. Guys, I think, are a little bit worse about this than girls, but I think girls do it too, you will be able to tell very early on where this person's hope is, whether or not it's in you, okay? And the reason you can tell is because they start to bury you. They start worshiping you. They put so much on you that you get tired of it very quickly. That is a huge red flag. That's how you know, that's like exactly what Suzanne said, you cannot give that to a guy. You are not designed to be worshiped, right? 
They were not designed to be worshipped. That's why it never works out that way. You guys get tired of each other, or there's too much too fast, and it, and it explodes. Like, there's just, it never works out. And, there, yeah. well, there's another side of that, too, is that we like to save guys. You know, we like to find the guys that aren't perfect okay. in their relationship with God, and we want to, we want to draw them in. Uh, we want to help develop their relate. You know, we, okay. want to, okay. we want to kind of rescue them from their bad habits and, sure. you know, um, mm-hmm. or even, I mean, some, some really bad things, you know. I mean, you know, we're talking real, right? Sometimes we like the bad boys. Lead singer of Poison, that was me. I mean, <laughs> that was not a joke. Really, I thought I was going to marry him. Oh, but sometimes funny. we like the bad boys, and we like to think that, we're going to be their salvation. Yeah. Am, am I wrong, girls? Okay. Girls. You can't do that. You can be friends with them, you know, and when they find God, then you can say, okay, well, now you're on the right side <laughs> of the list. But, you know, but you can't use a relationship right? to save a guy and bring them to God. Only, only God can change their heart. You're not going to do that. That's good. You, you will yeah. be able to tell very quickly what they worship. And you'll be able to tell very quickly what you're worshiping as well. Relationships can bring this out. And if it's the other person or if they're worshiping you or all their hope is in you, this is a huge red flag. And again, it's not, you don't have to cut communication off, but it may be this idea that dating is not the move right now because it's going to end very poorly. You see what I'm saying? Like this worship idea, this isn't dating. This is worship. This is not biblical dating. This is worship. And it's going to crash. It will. It always, always does. Okay? Cool? All right. Let's move on to one other thing that I saw here. Um, Don't build up regrets with people who are a mere glimmer. This is another good point in terms of, again, so, so this is where Bob and I differ just a little bit, but that's good. It's a healthy difference. It's this idea of, we don't really have an age at, you know, I don't have an age that you can start dating or whatever, right? There are a lot of sophomores who are much more mature than some seniors, right? But the reason, the, our point is, are you ready to take it seriously? That's the point. Are you ready to take dating seriously? That's what we're trying to push for. And, and this is such a huge reason that it has to be taken seriously because you can give so much of yourself, so much of your time, your money, right? Your, your emotions, and in some cases, you can give so much of your physical self to someone that very well, 10 years from now, you may not even be able to totally remember. I know that sounds crazy, but like, we, do you remember all your classmates from school 10 years ago? There's no way. There's no way, right? Um, Okay, let me take a pause for homeschool. I know you probably do. Um, but the point still <laughs> stands. The point st- they were like, yeah, no, we, we remember, yeah. Um, There's like five. <laughs> but you get it. You get it. Um, anyway, so that's another point. Do me a favor. Turn in your Bibles to Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. While you're turning, and then Suzanne, I'm going to teach for just a minute, and then I want to hear what you think about what's going on sure. here, okay? Mm-hmm. First of all, let me recommend this again. So, outside of the Bible, this is your next stop, okay? <laughs> Mingling of Souls by Matt Chandler. Uh, this is huge. He, Matt just walks you through Song of Solomon, and it's about, and again, it says it right here, God's design for love, marriage, sex, and redemption. High school girls, small group is going to be starting this up again soon. High school boys will also be. We try to run it back every two years because it's just so important. Um, this is a great place to start when it comes to dating, all right? So, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, 16 and 17. 16 and 17 is where we are. So, here's what this says. Here we go. Behold, you're beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Here it is. Our couch is green, all right? Little interior tip. The beams <laughs> of our house are cedar, our rafters are pine. That all sounds right. like my house. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, house. 
Here's why this is important, okay? This is Solomon and his bride. This is chapter 1, so they are in courtship. They are in dating. They have, they've, they've come past the, like, the interest phase, right? Liking each other's posts on Instagram way too much and like all these other things. Now they're starting to hang out, right? And here's where it talks about them hanging out. And we've talked about this before. Some of you guys will remember. But look at this. First off, they, all right, so you got cedars, you got cypresses. Help me out. These are part of, these are what? What's a cedar with cypress? These are what? They're trees. They are outside. This is their hangout time. And they are outside. They are not in the basement of Solomon's palace. Okay? Does that make sense? They're not, there is no movie night. They are hanging out in public outside. Here's why this is important. Can you go back to 16, Lauren? Um, Couch is green. Here's why this is important. This word for couch in Hebrew, it also means bed. Um, it can also mean this idea of a couch, not the way you think of it, but it's a couch that you lay on, okay? This is not a couch just for casual relaxation. Um, he, and, and a lot of your versions may say bed, actually, in your Bible. Um, here's what's going on. This, this bed, this couch, it, it's this idea of intimacy. She, means, she really means bed here. So hanging out outside, and she says this word for bed. It's this idea of intimacy. So here we go. Why would she use a word for intimacy when she's talking about a public place where they're not being physically intimate? They're not being physically intimate here. So why would she use the word for intimacy? It's because, and, and, and they're dating. So why would you use a word for physical intimacy? Why would you use a word for intimacy? Why would you set this intimate mood while you're dating? It shows us exactly what Suzanne says right here in their letter. It shows us that there is a type of intimacy in dating. They're dating, and he, she uses this word for intimacy. There is a type of intimacy in dating. Bottom paragraph of page one of Suzanne's letter. And I'm not talking about sex. Intimacy is so much more. Here's intimacy in dating. And look at what they just said. Biblical dating has intimacy, but it's a public intimacy in biblical dating. It's the talking portion. It's going on walks, getting to know each other in public, outside. That means other people can see, other people are involved. Here's where getting to know the family comes. Here's where getting to know the friends comes. That's what she means by saying we are outside. This is the intimacy that is so important and healthy and good during dating. Because people will say, you know, the Bible says you can't be intimate before you get married. That is not true. But it is a different kind of, because she just used the word for bed. Again, do not try this at home, right? Or on your, on your hangout time. Like, don't, don't say that. So she's being very forward in terms of intimacy here. But they're outside. They're in public. So they're, in her mind, it's very intimate. There is an intimate thing happening here. And I, and I challenge you, too. Some of you may not know what this is like, and that's okay, but some of you do. After a breakup, right? After a break, and this will happen in college too. After a breakup, the things that you miss the most, okay? The things that you miss the most, the things that you remember for so much longer, that stick with you for so much longer, are rarely, if ever, physical. It's the funny moments. It's the inside jokes. It's the fun dates that maybe you didn't expect. It's the fun times with family. That's what you miss the most after a breakup. Why is that, though? Especially when you're physical with that person. Because that's how it's supposed to be. You're missing the true intimacy that comes with dating. So again, in her mind, in Solomon's mind, this is what intimacy looks like when it comes to dating. Okay? 
Does that make sense? Is that, is that fair to say? Thoughts on that in terms of, because I agree exactly what you said. I'm not talking about sex. Intimacy is so much more. What were you thinking about like when you wrote that part? Yeah, I mean, it's very much centered around what you said. Um, I would say the most intimate relationship between a man and a woman is that intellectual and spiritual intimacy. Um, you can look at a couple and look at how they look at each other, right? And you can see it. And it's just, you know, the physical things, they're great once you get married, but that's, that's not what connects you. That's not what's going to grow your love deeper for someone or their love deeper for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the things that you learn about each other when you talk, you know, when you go places together, you know, how he opens a door for you or, you know, how you wake up, you know, and you want to, you know, leave him a gift by his locker or, you know, it's all of those things that begin to build that relationship. That's where I think you start in dating. That's when you start to develop and intimacy. Mm-hmm. And this is where like the culture that you guys are surrounded and that I was surrounded with and that Suzanne was surrounded with is, is so toxic because it builds up this idea. And again, I got married a year ago. Okay. So listen, <laughs> like it's this idea that sex is the whole thing that this is, this is the pinnacle of the relationship is sex. And it's just not like, and I would hear people say that and I'd be like, well, obviously like either you guys aren't, you're you're not doing it right. Or like, you're not, you didn't know this about it. Like, bro, you don't get it the way I see it because I'm 14 and I've never had sex, but I clearly understand better than you. Like it's the stoop. That doesn't make any sense. Like, but that's what every, I would have adult after adult after adult, wise adults tell me, listen, there has to be, we talked about, did we not talk about this last week? You cannot, the, the like analogy that I keep beating into their head that they're so sick of is like, you cannot live in a house that's built out of paint. In other words, the outside is good, the outside is fun, the outside is necessary, but it can't hold you up, right? Then that, that's key because our culture only wants to live in a house like that. Does that make sense? And, you know, and I would add too that, um, you know, with culture, and, and I know you guys fight it. It was no different when I was growing up. It was no different when he was growing up. Don't think that, you know, just because I'm a pastor's wife that I've always been a pastor's wife. I didn't even marry a pastor, so, you know, that changed. But I will say this, is that the relationship that you build is what adds the intimacy to the physical things. If you start with the physical and you have not built that relationship, it is hollow. It's, I mean, it's it's nothing. Mm -hmm. When you get to that point in your life that you have built up a relationship so deeply and intimately with someone that you're ready to spend the, the rest of your life with them, that's what makes the physical fantastic. Yeah, and these okay. are two married people, two married people who can have sex when they want, and they're telling you that sex is not the whole thing. Like, if anyone knows, right? You follow me here? I'm so, like, like, but nobody ever got that. Like, okay, turn in Song of Solomon. Nice little change of vert. Turn to Song of Solomon, chapter two. Please. Song of Solomon. <laughs> please turn to, please turn to Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse seven. All right, Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse seven. Here's why this is important. And man, I wish we had like just three more hours and I could just keep going. So here we go. Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse seven. Here we go. I adjure you, this is the bride speaking, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles, 
or the does of the field that you do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases or until it's time. Do not stir up. This is physical intimacy. Do not stir up or awaken physical love until it's time. There's so much to say here, but listen. She says that they say this three times in Song of Solomon. Do not stir up love until it pleases. They say it here, which is during the dating phase, right? They say it in 3-5, right before the wedding, because as you get closer, it's this idea of, well, we're basically married, so let's do this. And then they say it in 8-4, after they're married, okay? So three times this, uh, this chorus of the song, right, basically kind of repeats, do not awaken love until it's time. Do not awaken love until it's time. It's, it's, um, it's, the, it's one of the themes of the book, this repeating phrase, right? One of them, so, so follow this. One of the themes in a book about marriage and sex the right way is don't do all this stuff before it's time. That's huge in and of itself. But here, why would you say that after the wedding? Why would after the, we- after the honeymoon, after all that, why would you then go back and say, don't awaken love until it's time? Here's what's going on. She is telling the younger women now. He is looking back and telling the younger men after marriage, after the honeymoon, after having sex, they are saying to younger couples, we are glad that we waited. That's why they would, why would you bring it up again? Because they're expressing joy in, in what's happened now. They're saying, you know, because they could say, they could say, that's it. We, we could have been doing this the whole time and it wouldn't have changed anything, which is what a lot of people think, Right? But this couple who has done it the right way, who has wanted to glorify God, they look back and they say, we are glad that we would. Don't, don't stir up love until it's time. Don't stir up love until it's time. They're glad that they've waited. That's why you would repeat it after the wedding. David Platt says, I have never met a married couple that regretted waiting. And he's right. No, I haven't either. Yeah. And I can, I can honestly say that, that Bob and I have married couples and I've had friends that both of them made it to the altar completely pure. And they were so, th- I've never had anybody that regretted waiting. <laughs> I know yeah. that, but I've had a lot of people regret not. And so, I mean, and, and, let's face it, you're gonna be tempted. You're curious. I mean, and that, that's where you get to the point to where you trust the people who love you and are godly people, okay? If you're getting advice from your friends that are not Christians, they're like, just do it. They probably sound just okay. like that, I bet, when they say it. You got you to gotta know where it's coming from. Yeah. Don't get advice from people who are the same age that you are, going through the same things that you are at the same time. Talk to people mm-hmm. who are godly, who have already been through it, right? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know all of your relationships with your parents. Some of you may not even have a mom or dad that you can talk to. Then find other godly counsel here in the church. You've got Ryan, there's Bob, there's me, someone that you trust, that you're really close with, but you're someone that, that, that is older and wiser, okay, yeah. as, as hard as that is when you're a teenager. Now, let me end it like this as well. Um, I do not want to give out what I would call, well, and I think we would all agree on this, I do, I'm not trying to share what I would call the purity gospel. Um, Staying a virgin until you're married is not the same thing as being a Christian. Does that make sense? Um, other religions believe that as well. And it's not this idea of if you stay pure, your marriage will be totally blessed and problem-free and, everything, and all your problems will go away because 
you waited. I had several people ask me, yeah, but what are you going to say to the people in the crowd who have already done this? Let me share something. Um, this is a book about how these people did it the right way, but they were not without problems and sins. Uh, we learn in Song of Solomon 1.6 that she's very insecure about her appearance. Um, she has doubts and insecurities internally from chapter 2, verse 4. They have serious marriage problems in chapter 5. Um, and again, they did it the right way. They did it the right way. Hang on. And they have serious problems in chapter 5. Um, and I bring this up because we cannot think that waiting before marriage will fix everything. Okay? Um, an article blew up when I, was in, when I just got out of college in 2014 about a girl who wished that she hadn't waited because she was expecting this huge, she had been poorly taught that waiting was key, and then waiting would result in all these blessings, and it didn't, and it crushed her. And out of that pain, she wrote this article, and she drug all these people down with her. Solomon is famous for two things, his wisdom and for having 700 wives. Solomon does not, yeah, in a lot of ways, right? Solomon does not finish his life well, and he wrote this, right? Here's why this is important. The point here is, even Song of Solomon in the Bible is pointing to this idea that we need something besides a good marriage to save us. The Song of Solomon, he wrote the book on it. He had a great marriage, and he still fell. So the Bible is pointing to this idea that a perfect marriage will not do it. David with Bathsheba, a great king, will not say we need something better to say. There's an echo in Song of Solomon. We're still waiting on something. The point here is Song of Solomon reminds us that we are broken, hurting people, and we go too far physically sometimes, and we do things that we shouldn't do. But the same, you have to listen to me, and then we're finished. The same God who invented sex is also the giver of forgiveness. And he took your sexual sin, past, present, future, he took your sexual sin and mine and Suzanne's and died on the cross with it. That's our hope, that he took this sexual sin, nailed it to the cross with him, and he died with them. And then he rose again. So our forgiveness, our redemption is not found. Safety and goodness is found in waiting. Redemption is not. Redemption is found in Jesus Christ. And through following Him, intimacy is like fire. If it's not in the proper place, it will only destroy. No one goes home and sees fire on their roof and thinks, oh yeah, because it's not supposed to be there. And it will destroy whatever it's touching. Does that make sense? Only through the gospel can we do this. So, um, Suzanne, thank you so much. Closing thoughts on, on any of that? Any, anything you want, any last words of wisdom you want to leave us with? You know, the only thing is, you know, that's, that's the description of purity. Purity is not that you've never done it. Purity is that you've given it to Christ. Yeah, and, yes. And it's forgiven. Yes. And you turn away from it. Yeah. That's purity. That's exactly right. Um, Suzanne, thank you so much. Can we give it up one more time for this bedrock of faith? Um, wonderful. Let me pray, and then Brinley can help me with announcements, and we'll be done. So let's pray, and we'll, we'll wrap it up. Father, we thank you.